There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Namaste Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and I'm so grateful to be here with you in 2019, transmitting the wisdom of yoga through this online platform. It has been such a blessing to share with you how so many different human beings have changed our lives through yoga and being able to share their journeys with you. Revealing yoga to the world is one of the most important things that we can do right now for our collective consciousness. And today, I am so graced to share with you a woman who has truly changed my life. Yashoda Devima, five years ago, taught me how to sit still and use a mantra found in Vedic meditation. If you haven't listened to Yashoda before, she's been on our podcast, this episode is going to reveal some powerful gems to you upon how to just man, be with the moment and be with what is true. And that is the essence of love. Intelligence is beyond stress itself. And so that's a big part of what meditation um, and the priming of what Asana is doing is bringing us into a state of a deeply rested body. Rest is in Resting is intelligence. I hope that you enjoy this episode. And before we get started, I'd love to plant a seed in you that Andrew, Seely, and I are banding together for a Yoga Revealed retreat, May 11 through the 17th of 2019, this year in Mykonos, Greece. There will be links on our Instagram at the end of this podcast on the bio, or you can just go to Thea. K-A-L-E-S-T-H-E-A dot com dash Mykonos for more information. It's going to be an epic journey, and we are so excited to have you join the Yoga Revealed Podcast Retreat. Enjoy this episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast with Yashoda Devima. Namaste, Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin. And we're coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, and it is such a blessing to be here with you walking this path of yoga and living love in each and every day. And today, I'm so excited to be sitting across from a woman who has been in my life for almost the last five years and has inspired so much mm, transformation and evolution, and more recently, I can tap into a state of willingness to go within through the pathway of meditation. And Yashoda, it is such an honor and blessing to have you back onto the podcast and share with us yourself. It's it's always a pleasure, always an honor. And uh, it's been fun through the years to do these podcasts and see the evolution between one another and the space literally that (laughs) we're in um but yeah i always enjoy our uh, yoga revealed podcasts yay well i'm really excited to drop back in and you know 
the very first time that we had you here, we had you share your story and it was an incredible story. And then the second time, I think almost a year, two years later, we dove into more of the facet of meditation and really what that looks like. And, you know, today I kind of wanted to talk about, I wanted to share a little bit of my story mm-hmm. and have you just reflect and then we can just see where the conversation goes. And, sure. you know, I remember when I first met you, it was, um, I was about to go on this huge trip and uh, across Southeast Asia for a short three months. It was my first time traveling by myself. And I just felt this call that I was like, man, I, I want to dive a little deeper into the limb of yoga that I really hadn't dove that deep in. I was and am very adept in the asana realm, yet sitting still, Whoa. at the time I was like, oh, well, I don't know how to do that. Right. <laughs> and being able to learn Vedic meditation from you and with you changed my life. And I remember for two years, I sat still twice a day. And then I started to dive a little deeper down into Ashtanga yoga and my, my, my attention shifted And I just adjusted to what was feeling more appropriate for me in that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And then life happens. And I stopped practicing Ashtanga yoga because I hurt my shoulder. And and I met Eddie sitting in this exact same room (laughs) years ago. And Eddie, all the listeners at this time, imagine, know who Eddie is. Mm -hmm. I talk about him a lot. And then, um, gosh, I uh, uh, started to dive into a more stillness-based practice. And I remember when I first started to connect with Eddie in 2017, the mantra that you taught me, which I hadn't been using for probably a solid year and a half, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe two years, it started to echo unconsciously in these supported backbends and these supported asanas that Eddie was teaching me. And I just took note. I just observed it and I listened and I thought it was interesting because I wasn't consciously utilizing the mantra. Mm -hmm. And then my best friend passed and oh my God, for like six months, I just stopped everything. Yeah. I didn't even practice. I didn't even sit. I cried and my yoga was found in prayer and a new sense of reverence and awe of life bringing me down to my knees yeah. And, you know, then life happened again and I went to London and in London was when I started to sit again twice mm-hmm. a day, not using the mantra. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to return to something that had never left. I really recognize that. And in that whole process of returning to my asana practice and my meditation practice, I witnessed myself release a sense of shame. I was like, oh man, like, who am I? Like, I have this awesome podcast. I have this incredible community. I practice, I teach, but I'm not practicing as much as I used to or sitting as much as I used to. And I was able to release that shame just as part of my own process. Mm -hmm. And I ended a relationship at the end of 2018, like on the last day. And um, the first thing that I knew that was going to support me and save me was one of the deepest resources within my own being. And it was Vedic meditation. And I started to intentionally sit 20 minutes in the morning, first thing. And for me, 20 minutes at night, right before bed. That's just what works for me and what has for the last five years or the last however many years. Mm -hmm. And then I started to come back to, for the first time, your community setting space at the subtle mind. (laughs) My God. And it's so cool to know that when you first taught me, we were in this little apartment, and now we're in this incredible sacred sanctuary, having also sat with you in this community that you have cultivated in on Pearl Street in, here in Boulder, Colorado. For people of all walks of life, there's this doctor, there's this other person who has no relationship to yoga, but is willing to dive into meditation. People who've been suffered through addiction and grief in just everyone's own walk of life. And to witness that, I am so in awe. And it's so cool to um, be a community member with you in what you've created. 
And it's uh, it's really neat. I mean, imagine years ago when you were in LA, you could never have imagined what you have now then. Definitely not. <laughs> but there definitely was a seed of desire back then. Mm-hmm. I can remember um, in my first three years of meditating, being in West Hollywood, on living on a street called Huntley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a roommate at that time, and I just so wished that I could have group meditations mm. or these community experiences in my house and it kind of started there I just didn't know what it really was and I used to once a week with a a dear friend that's still in West Hollywood um we used to pull together once a week a group and we'd talk about you know whatever spiritual books were out and so it was kind of manifesting back then but it was I had no clue that I'd ever live in Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) Never was I dreaming of living in Boulder, which I do love, but it wasn't my dream place. Um, Never did I think about having a center. I'd been told that I might, that it was in my charts vedically, um, but it just organically manifested. So, Well, you know, I I think it's just beautiful to, I'd love for you to kind of talk about today, right now, in this, in this moment, you know, the process of when we make a commitment to our own practice and uh, how that commitment will continually be able to subject to, subject to flow and yeah. subject to change and evolve and shift and how in life we are, you know, called to constantly adjust, recalibrate, integrate mm-hmm. while utilizing a base level of some kind of practice. I don't know. Can I, can you expand yeah. on something of that? I mean, as I as I sit and I listen to you and your story just unfolding, as I've watched, but to hear you talk about it, um, it's organic, mm. right? So on the very first day when anybody comes and is attracted to what it is that I'm teaching and I do an intro talk, um, I talk about the Veda itself and just the word, right? And the word means knowledge, And it's the knowledge of the wisdom of the integration of life, right? And when we come to experiencing the Veda itself, we're experiencing um, our minds expanding into the universal self, essentially, and merging with the laws of nature. So as we sit every day and twice a day, which is the great good fortune of Vedic meditators, it's twice, so that we stay in this alignment as we kind of fade throughout the day. But what we're doing as we sit, we're sitting and that then is like an an antenna that's basically telling the universe, I'm here and I'm aligning with you. I'm here and I'm communing with you. I'm here to then create with you. Right? And so in that existence, the Veda is this, this mind that's expanding into this universality, essentially, and moving beyond just the, the capacity of the Mimi eye. And it's expanding into the support of nature. And so as we sit more and more, nature begins to support us in the ways that it, uh, we desire. Um, and so as we come to the practice and the technique of, of Vedic meditation is to be simple, is to be natural, and to be innocent. And the mantra is what I love how you spoke about, you know, your journey with the mantra, right? It's, it's we within our mind construct models and stories, mm. right? And it always begins with the mantra. So for me in the beginning, um, my one of my challenges was my relationship with my mother mm. and it always seemed to be it just was my biggest challenge needless to say I moved away a thousand miles away even a thousand miles away I was still challenged by that relationship in my life and um, so when I came to receive my mantra and my mind that sound and that vibration in another language in my mind, was mother. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. I come to meditation, the one place that I thought I could expand (laughs) beyond. And here I am sitting in my biggest challenge, like right off the bat. 
But really, it had nothing to do with the mantra itself. It had to do with the the construction of my modeling of my mind. And because that was my biggest karma in my life and in my Vedic charts, mother, um, that's what that process and that journey was with my mantra that I then let go of and then became, which is why my dharmic name is Yashoda, the mother of God. Right? And, and connecting to that divine mother love energy. Mm-hmm. And so for you, that, that experience with the mantra of, of becoming innocent to it and becoming natural to it, its, it's core of its existence is, was birthed in stillness and mm-hmm. silence. And so all the mantras that we use are transcending mantras. They're designed for transcendence. They're designed to take the mind back to its original place of birth, which is stillness itself. And so in that journey, that's what you're learning, mm-hmm. right? So you come to the practice, and because we've got so much busyness and activity and we've basically habitually patterned ourselves to be in activity all the time our nature is stillness Mm. and we forget and so when we come to the practice and the sound when we absorb ourselves and get totally lost in the absorption of the sound because it came from stillness it'll bring us back to that place that's why we forget it we let it go and so you know you practice with that for some time being right consciously or unconsciously knowing what the mantra is actually doing even though we talk about it in the intro (laughs) not all of us get the information in the beginning we don't receive it all Mm -hmm. um and then you stepped away from the practice Right? And as you came to working with Eddie and finding more stillness within movement, the mantra demonstrated its capacity of what it is. So as you in dynamic activities started to connect to stillness, it merged. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is why I always say when you first receive the mantra, if you're in total activity, you won't remember your mantra. Even though I know all the mantras, if my teacher were to ask me on a walk in nature, I wouldn't be able to say them to him. I'd have to sit down and say, hold on. And I'd sit down and i close my eyes and then they'd start to bubble into my awareness. Huh. That's what they're designed to do. And so you're learning that through, through that asana practice is that they organically, your sound and vibration would start to merge because you were accessing a degree of, of unbounded awareness, which is transcendence, which is then stimulates from stillness itself. And therefore, then the sound started to rise, yeah. right? And so this journey of coming back to... This is what's so fun. As we come to a practice, there is no right or wrong way, right? It just is. Mm -hmm. And so that's your journey, right? My journey as I came to the practice, I was very like an athlete. You know, you give me a program and I'm just going to do it. And when I see results, then why would I stop? And so that's kind of what my journey was. And I came in, I started getting quick results and feeling well and depression rising and suicidal thinking going away and all these things that I was ailed by. And so then I just, it kept me hungry for more to feel good. And so then I would get my advanced technique and then I would go to these advanced courses and through knowledge, then I started to gain more awareness with Mm. the technique and all of these things. And so my journey was kind of just do the path. And I was so willing because I didn't want to suffer anymore. That was the key to my whole existence. I don't want to suffer, so I'm just going to do this. And the rest is history. But each one of us oscillates in and out of the practice in the way that we need to learn. So I had, there's a teacher, um, one of my colleagues, who I, I really quite love. He's profound. He'll be legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, he created uh, Highline park in New York. Hmm. Um, He goes by, we call him Robbie, but um, Robbie Hammond. And he is a profound thinker, went to, I believe it's Harvard, but don't quote me, (laughs) an Ivy League school. Um, (laughs) He then created this profound um, experience in New York called the Highline Park. But he learned transcendental meditation, right, long ago. And he started practicing and then he just stopped. And his thing that he had kind of battled with in life was addiction. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Addictions of many different kinds. Um, and so he's kind of in and out of that. He stopped his practice for a good five years. And then organically one day he bumped into another colleague of now both of ours um, and bumped into him and he was a Vedic meditation teacher because this stems from the same technique. He then was offered to come to the refresher. He said, oh, you come and take this refresher. And so Robbie came back in and he took the refresher and the rest is history. And then he became a teacher which is something that he never thought he would become because he has this whole other career. Mm-hmm. And so he, again, he oscillated in and out. There was a pause in time and that time away from practice. And I can guarantee he was never dreaming of becoming a Vedic meditation <laughs> teacher, right? But that's part of his path. That's part of his dharma. And so as we come to some people, they start the practice and we say twice a day and they only do once a day and that happens for maybe a year and then all of a sudden, boom, it clicks and they're starting to do twice a day and that starts to pick up this momentum and then they start to get curious of knowledge and these deeper aspects of how nature's design and how nature works and how we can move towards progressive change. And so the path is, it's organic and that's what I really love is it can unfold in any way for anybody. Um, There is no right or wrong way. Um, Once you connect to that path, I always like to say to everyone, if you were attracted to it, you've done this before. Mm. You've done this for many lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And so if you go unconscious to it, that's part of your journey. And then you come back and you're conscious to it again. And you keep kind of wavering back and forth until it becomes completely solid mm. naturally. So. I love it. I'm curious, can you also support with a little download on the word mantra and, and, and what mm-hmm. it means and take us a layer or two below just the surface of what it means? Mm-hmm. So mantra, when we talk about mantra, um, the word man or Man comes from the root Sanskrit word manas. Mm -hmm. And manas means mind. And so as a human, just that word in small, human, (coughs) hue means light. And again, man means mind. So what we are is a light mind. That's what we're here to experience is the nature of being um, a light mind. The mind of God is clear. It's as simple as that. Total, absolute clarity. So when we use mantras, man again means mind, and tra in Sanskrit means liberator, or it can mean it can mean heart, right? And so when we're liberated, we're living in our heart. We're not living in our intellect. We're not intellectualizing life. And so all mantras, they're sounds and vibrations that are primordial sounds and vibrations that are onomatopoeic, which means that they emulate nature itself. Sanskrit is the language of nature, right? Mm. So mantra is a science. These sounds and these vibrations, they're mind liberators. They're here to move us out of the aspects of our minds that keep us locked and stuck, right? So we have four different levels of the mind. Two of them we seem to know quite well in the Western world. One is the ego, Mm -hmm. right? And the ego is like the kid in the sandbox that goes, that's mine. That's mine. And it takes the truck away and it's mine mine right or it's like oh I did that did you know that I did that right it it likes to claim its fame to everything and then we've got the intellect and the intellect is what needs to understand it takes all information and it files it into understanding and it kind of puts it into a box right and so the the intellect can be constricted Um, it's not very broad needless to say. And so the deepest aspect of the mind is beyond thought itself. It's this pure consciousness, right? It has very multiple names that people call it within the yogic tradition, but just on simple terms, it's our unbounded awareness, our present moment awareness. And so mantras Because they're mind liberators, their sounds and their primordial sounds and vibrations, they birth 
themselves from stillness itself. So when we sit in the deepest aspect of our mind, right, we go beyond sound, mantra, and thought, because those are both sound, (coughs) and we merge down, that's the subtlest of our five senses, sound, and we merge into creation itself, and creation is stillness. So when we look at the the whole aspect of the universe, the universe 13.6 billion years ago was still. Nothing was happening, right? And then some movement started to occur and friction started to rise and through friction, sound began, right? So the scientists will talk about it being the Big Bang, right? And Vedanta will talk about it being the sound that rose from stillness and that sound was Om. And it was A, and it was U, and it was M, Ah, and U, and M. And those three sounds carry all of nature's existence within it, right? So that's the Maha Mantra of all mantras is Om, right? It it carries what we call the three functions of nature, which is creation, destruction, and maintenance, or the sustaining, right? And so if we were to talk about um, the vibrations of, of God, right? They're Vishnu, right? The sustainer of life. Shiva, the destruction operator, right? And then we've got Brahma, who is the creator. And those are the three aspects of nature itself that's always happening. And through this stillness, now we know sound rises. So the function of of meditation as we go into stillness, long ago, these, these masters or sages are just quite, they're normal people sitting along, going into stillness, and they accumulated through the practice this deep transcendental state, which is beyond thought beyond mantras. In that state of stillness is where mantras were created. These sounds and these vibrations rose from that existence within consciousness. As these yogis became aware of the sounds and vibrations and they moved out into waking state, they're relevant. And so what they found through working with sound and vibration is how it then affected our subtle body system. And so these sounds and these vibrations of mantras, depending on like what we use is bija mantras. Bija mantras meaning seed, right? And they work on the level of thinking. They're primordial sounds that work on the level of no meaning, Mm. right? Mantras are complete science. So if we were to go to India, they would say, there is a mantra for everything, right? (laughs) There is a mantra for everything. And so, and the truth of the matter is yes, because consciousness is everything. And mantra is consciousness. It is there to awaken consciousness from the purest aspects of ourselves. Mm. And so these sounds and these vibrations long ago, they connected to um, what these yogis... um, were able to perceive because they were able to perceive on these subtler levels what they could see is that these sounds and these vibrations activate our chakra centers right so chakra meaning wheel right simply a lot of us talk about seven of them but there's 114 of them that we need to activate and the sanskrit language and the mantras themselves activate the pedals to the wheels of our chakras. And so as we think mantra, as we chant mantra, anytime we use mantra, it activates us on this higher frequency and level. So each sound is a frequency, right? And so each one of us is light and sound and frequency ourselves, right? And there was a a scientist that studied frequency, right? Schumann. And he knew that we were frequency. So he went around to all these different places, 200 different places on Earth. And what he found is that Earth had a frequency, 7.8 hertz. And what it, the sages knew, the, these yogis, they knew that the Maha Mantra, it's um, frequency 7.8, right? Mm-hmm. This frequency mirrors nature, these sounds and these vibrations. And so even if we were to say the Sanskrit alphabet, right? All these sounds, these sounds ignite our subtle body. We can become enlightened off of the alphabet Mm. by itself, right? And so as we think them, 
they awaken the creative intelligence within us. And so each of these sounds and these vibrations, these mantras, as they transport our mind beyond what we're imprisoned in, these patternings that we have of suffering, essentially, we could call that addiction. Mm -hmm. We could call that depression. We could call that grief. We can call that apathy. Whatever it is that we have, right? Those are just patternings of suffering that occur through our mind from stress, right? And so these sounds and these vibrations break those patterns. They break those patterns and they transport our minds beyond thought so that we start to exist within the heart space, right? So when we say follow your intuition, it's when you follow your heart. Your heart is is the intelligence. It's the activator of everything. So a true enlightened person actually comes from a place of heart, then up to brain, and then into action. Mm. But these, these mantras and these sounds and these vibrations are essentially frequencies of consciousness that then are there to awaken that creative aspect of consciousness within us. So if we're talking about invoking mantras, mm-hmm. right, if you were to just Om Namah Shivaya away, right, Om Namah Shivaya brings in um, the aspect of destruction that's needed for us to move towards our potential. So we activate Shiva to remove all irrelevancy, Mm. all of the things that are inhibiting us and limiting us from then moving towards our potential, right? If we were going to do the mantra um dum dugarai namaha right dugra essentially is then bringing in um tremendous amount of consciousness that awakens the willpower and the courage to break self-sabotaging behaviors right again a destruction operator in that sense and so mantras are vehicles to take us out of the construct and stories and traumas and kind of imprisonment of our mind Mm-hmm. and our intellect, mm. and correct the mistaken intellect, which mm. in Sanskrit we would call pragya parad. Mm. We correct it into truth. And the only place that truth exists in is beyond thought. And that's in the absolute, the unmanifest, the unified field, whatever mm. we want to call it. And so that's the function of mantra, Beautiful. is to create these, these frequencies and <clears throat> aspects of awakening these all aspects of consciousness that mm. lives within us. Mm. And that's the great joy of all of this knowledge that comes from India, yeah. all of these um, aspects of these what we call gods and goddesses, mm. but really they're just reflections of, of consciousness that lives within us. Mm. Beautiful. And, you know, it brings up a lot within me to a great question to segue. And, you know, I feel that one of the greatest things that meditation has helped me cultivate in my life, one of my greatest tools that I pride myself on is my my, my willingness to be vulnerable yeah. and real to what's happening for me. Totally. Not caring about the vibrational frequency of what it might be emitting which mm-hmm. I will own my own experience and take full responsibility and be on purpose in my life. And I feel that being vulnerable is something that our collective is it could, could place more intention upon to be more vulnerable in conversation, even on social media. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, it kind of taps into this this question. How does meditation help us step into our EQ? Not our IQ, not our in, mm-hmm. not, not our int- intelligence that, you know, is very much all up into the upper mind space, but how can meditation help us tap into our emotional intelligence? Uh, I mean, it helps in absolutely every single way. So I can mainly speak from the Vedic meditation perspective because our technique is not about control. Mm. Control is anti-evolutionary. Um, it's anti-progression per- itself. 
And so when we, the way that we use the mantra, how we are within our mind is an inclusive experience. And so we're learning how to be with our thoughts. We're not labeling them. We're not pushing them away. Um, how we allow for this, this absolute <coughs> inclusive experience to happen is what starts to cultivate this deep acceptance that everything is okay and nothing is bad. This is the Vedic world viewpoint. Everything is good and nothing is bad. When you can perceive on the more subtle levels, you will start to see why things are happening the way that they should be happening. Right? We can't judge a book by its cover on the surface level. And so as we sit in the practice, um, and it doesn't matter, any practice is going to be observing on some level. I just find that Vedic meditation... Um, because we're not controlling, allows for us to be more expansive in inclusiveness. In that nature, as we allow for a body sensation to come through and we don't resist it, right? We allow for it to come through with total um, neutral existence, right? We have a thought pattern that comes through that we don't like. We don't push it away. We don't resist it, right? We are starting to experience this whole thing that allows for us to then be vulnerable when we come out of our practice because we're not trying to control what's happening. We're not trying to push away what's happening. We're not labeling it as bad. We're not psychoanalyzing it. We're not trying to see where it came from. What we're doing is we're just letting it be, Right? And when we practice this twice a day, every day, and within the session for 20 minutes, however many times you're experiencing thought patterns that you don't like and physical sensations that you don't like, what you're learning is to take life as it comes. Right? And that's a big outcome of the practice. I'm just taking life as it comes. No matter what I perceive it to be, if it's challenging, if it's like the greatest aspect of my life, if I'm in the flow or I'm not in the flow. And when we can start to move from that space in life, we're extremely vulnerable because we're stepping into the absolute unknown all the time. Right. And with no judgment. So if I need to feel a feeling, then I feel the feeling and I let it move through like a wave. I'm not going to judge. If I know that anger's coming through me, it's because there's an, uh, something that's not aligned and out of harmony in this environment that I'm experiencing. Mm. I need to take personal responsibility for what's being triggered within my physiology. And I need to have the awareness to then move in the direction of greater happiness. Mm. Right? So I don't pretend that it's not there. I don't ignore that it's happening, but I allow for it to be. Right? So I'm not resisting it. I'm not wrestling with it. I'm not pushing it away. So in that, this tremendous vulnerability starts to come through, and that's authenticity. Right? We're authentic and we're starting to become innocent. Right? So when we watch kids when they're young, Right, they're like three years old and they have this huge experience. Right? Maybe they like have a huge fit that they throw, right? They are crying and it's just full on. It's it's 110% commitment that they have to this experience, right? They'll feel it and it happens maybe for five minutes. If you're the parent, you're totally traumatized by it, <laughs> right? And the kid will walk away and 10 minutes will have gone by and they're playing and they're in something else. You <laughs> as the parent is traumatized you walk over to your child and you say hey do you want to talk about what just happened and the child will look at you and stare blankly into your face and they'll go what are you talking about and they'll go you know what happened just 10 minutes ago and they'll go oh I've already moved on <laughs> right they're actually enlightened they're authentic they're like waves in the ocean Right. So that vulnerability of just I feel right when you hang out with kids that are younger before they turn seven, something changes at seven. Right. They'll just walk up to you and they'll go, I don't like you. And then they'll turn around and walk away. There's no there's not a lot of energy behind it. It's just like, well, I don't like you. I don't like what you're doing. They don't think. <laughs> right. They just act. And so when we go into meditation, what happens is the rewiring of the brain starts to occur. 
the neuroplasty of the brain. So if we're just talking biology and people want to know science, literally we are rewiring our brain and we're activating gray matter within our brain. Mm. And then one of the biggest effects of sitting in meditation, and doesn't really matter, most meditations are all neuroplasty is occurring within the brain. What we do is we activate, we start to move out of the reptilian brain, which is then kind of owned by our nervous system that activates the fighter flight, right? This more primal um, sense within us. And what it starts to does do is it starts to create new neural pathways that start to go up and activate our frontal lobe. Now our frontal lobe is what's actually the activator of our emotional intelligence, right? So as a parent, when your kid is two and three and whatever, their frontal lobe's not really developed yet. And so as a parent, we serve as the emotional intelligence for the child. So the child runs and they fall. And then if they start to look like they're going to cry, you go, yay. And you smile and you kind of celebrate it. And then you go, oh, yay. And they get up and they keep running, right? And so what we're serving is that it's okay to fall. You can just get back up and you can keep going. It's okay. My parents did that all the time when I was younger. And they taught me that it's okay. And that's like the metaphor for life. You stumble, you fall. It's okay. Just get back up, brush mm-hmm. off what happened mm-hmm. and move on. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we, we create this. So anyone who has like post-traumatic syndrome, which we all kind of do, mm-hmm. right. It, what it does is it starts to activate the frontal lobe and it starts to tell us everything's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You're okay right now. What happened in the past, that voice, that tone of voice that you just heard that's now triggering your biology or your physiology, that's okay. It's not what happened to you long ago. It's gone. It's okay. And so we create this new way of being, and our emotional intelligence really starts to activate from that level. On another level within meditation, we create neurotransmitters, and this is the chemistry of the body. And the chemistry of the body needs to be balanced for us to be in an emotional, good, stable state. And so as we create all of these different neurotransmitters like GABA and serotonin and dopamine and anandamai and um, so on and so forth, what happens is that the chemistry of the body starts to become balanced. So on an emotional level, we're stable. That creates more emotional intelligence. We're not owned by our emotions anymore. Mm. We start to rise above the emotion and we start to see, was that a red flag that just went off? And as a meditator, when things are out of disharmony, because we're so used to the practice that brings us into harmony, which is pure consciousness, that we can stop and pause. And what we're creating is, is this response state, right? So we can stop and pause and go, am I doing this? I need to take personal responsibility in this. And then how do I navigate within this? And so this emotional intelligence really starts to morph into this relative state, this waking, sleeping, and dreaming state. And so it Mm. comes from so many different areas. And then when the mind experiences its deepest nature of bliss with wakefulness happening, it starts to learn that that's what its nature is, is this bliss state. And in that bliss state, it's unbounded, it's eternal, it's timeless. And in that space, vulnerability is, is, it's everything. You're just authentic. If you need to cry, you cry. If you need to laugh, you laugh. If you need to be angry, you be angry. Whatever it is that you need to do, you will express because it's authentic and it's natural and it's innocent, Mm. right? Um, And that's where the emotional intelligence starts to come through. And again, there's so many different levels of what the meditation is doing, especially through transcendence. But the last couple things is really through the transcendence and it's key transcendence because a lot of mindful practices or Buddhist practices are more on the pranic level, though they will transcend. It's not as much, Mm -hmm. right? But this is a self-transcending technique. And then when we transcend, it's the alchemy of behavior. 
We take the unconscious, we go into pure conscious, and in that is the alchemy of coming out with new awareness that then is mindful. Mindful means to establish a being, and in the being, an awareness starts to rise, and we stay awake to that as we come back into thought, right? And that starts to occur. And then on another level, as um, all of this is occurring with the meditation, this unbounded awareness starts to come through. And the unboundedness is this deep, like I said, playful innocence um, that really starts to occur in, in our individuality and to our unique expression mm-hmm. of all of this. And that's, that's the fun part, is that you're different than me, mm-hmm. but we're also the same. Totally. And in the, the place that we're the same is beyond thought. You and I are one in that existence of stillness. That's yoga. Mm-hmm. Yoga can only happen in the mind. And so in that place, you and I have deep oneness in our existence. When we come out and we move back into thought, which then is modeled into stories and all of these things, as we move more stillness, that, that connection stays there. But you have your authentic, unique way So you need to process life in your way. You need to express life in your way. You need to write it in your way. And then that's what makes these contrasts so fantastic, right? Contrast is what brings depth, essentially. If it was all just oneness, it would be tremendously boring, right? And so um, as we meditate, all of these profound things start to come through, but emotional intelligence really just starts to um, naturally bubble through as we lift the traumas and we lift the stories. And essentially, when we go into that deep rest state, it reprograms our nervous system from going from fight or flight. And when we're in fight or flight, we can't be emotionally intelligent. It makes us dumb. It retards Mm. our brain. And it comes from the stress hormones that are being secreted into our body. And one of them, the main one, being cortisol. It retards us. We don't think coherently. It, It puts us on lockdown. And so then we only go into this mode of fighting each other or fleeing. So when we go into meditation... Uh, we go into these deep, relaxed states. And so in that, it reprograms our nervous system. So we move out of fight or flight. And in that, that potential of the brain capacity starts to come through. And then also on another level, we have brain waves, right? And so when we do breath work, right, which then goes with asana as well, when we do kriyas and things like that, but breath work and meditation, deeply relaxation, Um, techniques. When we do these, it activates um, four of the brain waves that activates more intuitiveness, more coherency, both parts of the hemispheres of the brain activating. We create brain waves that bring in um, these deep rest waves that we can then activate um, from higher levels. Mm -hmm. Really, we can't think properly and we're thinking from stress and that's not intelligence Mm. intelligence is beyond stress itself and so that's a big part of what meditation um, and the priming of what asana is doing is bringing us into a state of um, a deeply rested body rest is in resting is intelligence essentially yes wow so beautiful you know um i hear so much of what you're saying and you know today i was posed with almost a challenge, not necessarily a challenge, but it was a um, new consideration Mm -hmm. instead of feeling so much in alignment of of how I've said from what Eddie has said so much, that yoga is a self-reliant healing system. Mm -hmm. I believe nutrition is a self-reliant healing system. Meditation, it is self-reliance. It's really resourcing within yourself and connection to source consciousness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, this person had said to me, well, what if I told you that I'm not buying it? Because I'm good. I'm all good. And I was like, okay, keep talking. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Because mm-hmm. in the same light, you said it with Vedic meditation, nothing is good or bad. Mm-hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. 
my life is beautiful. I have miracles flowing into my life on a daily basis. And the things that happen to me or for me are not good or bad. They are just as they are, mm-hmm. right? And this person was explaining to me, you know, like there's so many self-help this and that, but like, why do I need help? I am, I think on a collective egoic level, we've forgotten and some of us are remembering in holding the stata, the, 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 stat, the inner posture to help others and ourselves remember the, the soul connection of what has brought us here, this entire essence of, of self-realization and enlightenment. Mm-hmm. So on that level, I can hear it. And I don't know, it's just uh, it's something that was coming through from my day that I wanted to kind of bounce off of you. What, what do you think about that? When somebody's not interested in yoga? Maybe. Maybe that was it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't understand fully what, what they were coming after at, with this. But essentially, I, I, I did, I could hear it from one perspective was that, well, yeah, maybe my own ego has forgotten a part of the aspect that I am absolutely spirit soul yet i know i'm remembering that in Mm -hmm. my life and i'm coming closer into my own interconnectedness of oneness with this beautiful planet and source and spirit itself what i am gathering in this moment to say (laughs) thank you (laughs) is um everyone is reporting from their state of consciousness right and did this person have worthy inquiry? In 90% of what they said, yes. How so? Um, this person has a high caliber of presence and deep authenticity and a depth of helping others achieve their highest optimal state of being in their business job. He's an executive mm-hmm. um, business consultant. Okay. And um, I have respected so much of the metaphors that this person has brought forth for me to see um, how I can adjust in my life and recalibrate mm-hmm. to stay on alignment with what resonates mm-hmm. with me. And in life. So I do feel that this person um, has a sense of inquiry when it comes to the path of yoga. Maybe not as much. They're just not interested as much in that realm. Well, I mean, it sounds like they've found a formula that really works for them. Right. And, you know, I think one of the greatest gifts that we can have is to see unity. Right. We can see though his path might not be your path, that you can find the threads of unity to create a shared experience, Mm. right? So I think a lot of times when we are so passionate about what we are doing and there's a love for what we do, obviously we want everyone to experience it, Mm -hmm. right? That's just our natural um, existence. And so... I always recommend coming from that place of one, what must it be like to be them? Mm. Two, to really listen to what it is, like where are they coming from? What is their consciousness state? And where can I find a shared experience and these unity points within the conversation? And so he might be more receptive if you sat from a seat from a different angle. And, and really sharing how you see, obviously you respect him and you, res- you respect what it is that he's doing, but to see how you can find the commonality between, um, between yoga and what it is his method. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And so when we find that, then more people were receptive. I, I spend a lot of time, of course, I think Vedic meditation is like the way to go and Sattva Yoga is the way to go. And I love the blend of, you know, going into stillness and transcendence through the mind and then experiencing Tantra, which is the expansion of the heart. And I'm like, why would anybody choose anything different? <laughs> right. That, that's just my inner me. Mm-hmm. Right. But when I connect with people more and more, when I just sit in my grace and I sit in my stillness, which is my unity, and I can really start to hear, like, if he, the things that you said about him are all qualities of yoga. Mm-hmm. He's authentic. Mm-hmm. Right. What were the other things that you're saying? He's convicted. He's driven. He's present. He's honest. He's true. He's proud. So in that sense, these are all qualities of outcomes of yoga. And so he seems to be fine. Cool. And so in that sense, there's no no need to convince. Yeah. Right? And there's just, wow, let's see where there's just unity points. And in that, I can guarantee that the, the, the connection between you and him might shift mm-hmm. if that perspective starts to come in where it's more just sharing Beautiful. Um, rather than telling. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for that reflection. Yeah. You know, so we're almost to the top of the hour. And uh, one thing that I've really loved about Yoga Revealed and just having this platform to share and illuminate incredible wisdom keepers like yourself. I've received a lot of messages from some people who have literally traveled to find a teacher and put presence and time and energy into receiving the download yeah amazing so i'm curious for you like how if someone's listening and they're like man i'm ready to dive a little deeper into meditation through vedic meditation and connect with you how can people find you Get on a plane and come <laughs> to Boulder. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of people that fly here, actually, um, to <laughs> take the course. Um, but I will be traveling more to other places. But I'm not the only Vedic meditation right. teacher in the world. Um, there are many that are all over the place. So if that's this is something that resonates with you, you know, go online, Google, see who's in your area and go to a free intro talk. That's why we do free intro talks. They're free so you can hear the knowledge, but you can see, do I resonate with that teacher? Mm -hmm. Maybe you do and maybe you don't. Um, And truly, I mean, I've had people drive across the country to come here. I've had people that have flown on planes and I know me Um, I will fly anywhere in the world to go where my guru is. Mm -hmm. I will invest in any course that he offers because his his wisdom is pure and it's profound. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll hike any mountain um, to to receive the knowledge. And so I just feel when there's a will, there's a way. And even if it's money is a barrier, when you decide and you proclaim to the universe that you're ready to evolve and you're ready to step into that next frontier, it's going to support when you're clear. So, um, you know, there'll be more coming online. You can go on to thesubtlemind.com. I'm coming out with some guided meditations that you can download and have. So that's at least something that you can start with. Um, But I recommend books, Mm -hmm. podcasts, um, a great master, I mean, my guru, Anand Mehutra. You can look up. Um, He has his Sattva Academy, but he has what's called Sattva Connect. I recommend going to that. Satguru is a profound master who's in unity consciousness. His book, Inner Inner Engineering, is fantastic. Mm. Um, But ultimately, as I continue to evolve through my own things, more will be available through my website. I tend to do things in person. Yes. I think that is the best way always. Every single podcast episode we've ever done has only been in person. Profound. And I'm proud of that. Thank you. I love what you guys are doing. And it's always a pleasure. Always. I adore both you and Andrew. And um, yeah, thanks for providing to people to listen to when Mm -hmm. they're feeling lost. Thank you for sharing and lighting the way. My deepest pleasure. 
So much love. Jay Gurudev. Jay Gurudev. Thank you so much for listening to the Yoga Revealed podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, your co-host, and I am so excited to have dove into the power of meditation and transmutation with you from listening with Yashoda. If you feel called and inspired to learn more about Vedic meditation and you want to be in Boulder, Colorado, hop on a flight, come on down here and we'll get you connected with Yashoda or go to Google and type in Vedic meditation into Google, followed by your city and see what teachers are there. This practice is wildly available for you to help and support you connect to your highest being. That is love within. We look forward to seeing you in Mykonos, Greece this summer, 2019 with Andrew and I. And if you want more information, be sure to come to our Instagram and check out the recent posts. We hope you have a beautiful day and thank you for all that you are. The world would not be the same without you, your heart, and your commitment to revealing yoga in every single moment and every conversation. Hope you have a beautiful day, my friends. Namaste and love life. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.